Good morning, everybody. So today's talk is called The Joy of Cleaning Ourselves Up. And it's about repentance. But before we start talking about repentance and the joy of repentance, I want to set the mood. I've got a quote to set the mood, which is, this is out of the mouth of God describing what God is like. So this is from Matthew. You've probably heard it before. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you think about God and church, are those the first two words that come to mind? Easy and light. But that is the, the life that God is calling us to. That's, that's the vibe of it. Let's keep that in mind as we get into this. One of my favorite subjects of repentance. So anytime that you start talking about repentance, some problems come up. And I'll give you the definition, a really cool definition of repentance from New Church Theology, which I was just you know, preparing for this. I was skimming through all the places in which it's discussed and seeing all the different definitions. And there was one which was, repentance is any and all acts that lead to us not willing and so not doing something that's bad or something that's harmful. Any and all acts that lead to us not doing that. That's what repentance is. But the problem with, let's say, doing a church service about repentance or us talking about it is as soon as you start thinking about it, we're talking about morality in church, two things come to people's minds. One is that what we're going to start doing is talking about other people's morality. We're going to start that time-honored, passionate tradition of organized religion, which is, I'm going to peer over the fence and see if you're doing it right. In fact, that's what most people think of when they think of Christianity in the first place. This is from an article. It's, I think it's written by a Christian guy. He's asking in the headline, why are Christians so judgmental? 90% of people think Christians are judgmental. Why is this and what needs to change? One of the most dominant views about Christianity today is that they are judgmental. According to a study of people ages 16 to 29 in the United States, what, what do 16 to 29-year-olds know anyway, though? <laughs> Children. Nearly 90... I'm 38. Okay, I can say that. I'm old compared to them. Nearly 90% of respondents articulated this opinion of Christians in their practice of the faith. Judgmental. Because what could possibly be more annoying than somebody else lecturing you about your morality and somebody else coming in and saying, well, I know this thing and you're not doing it, so it's wrong. That's the problem. And it ruins us taking that attitude of, well, I'm going to learn some things and then peer in and see if you're doing it right. It ruins repentance because it's not what repentance is. Repentance is a solo activity that's the act of looking inward on yourself. One reason why you can't do someone else's repentance for them, you can't figure out, yep, you're doing that and that and this is why, and you're not on a good path, is because you have no idea what anybody else's path is. 
This is put eloquently in New Church Theology in New Jerusalem 86. It says, nobody, not even an angel, can know all the different ways in which people accept the Lord. That's so cool. Think about how many different lives people have. Just think about your siblings. What are they up to? Think about your relatives. Think about your friends. Think about the people you know in high school. Everybody has a different life. And the point of life, the reason why life exists, God created it so that he could, through each of our individual lives, lead us to heaven. And there is a different way for everyone. So we don't, you don't know what somebody else's path is. So don't waste your time trying to tell them they're not on it. I'm not saying you could never give some helpful advice. I've certainly benefited from advice in my past. Like, snap out of it. But ultimately, what's in their hearts and minds, that's, that's between them and God, which is great. It's a burden off. Now I don't have to go save the whole world. I can start looking at myself. And so beyond it just being futile, it's actually not allowed under the rules of repentance. You can't go in and say, I know what's going on in your heart and mind. This is from, again, New Church Theology. This is Married Love 523. To judge what the inner mind or soul is like within. Thus, what a person's spiritual state is. This one is not permitted to judge because it is known to the Lord alone. And you might think, well, inner mind or soul, what even is that? It's their intentions. It's their motives. And it's also, it's what they're facing. Because sure, we can, you can look out and say, well, that person shouldn't be doing that, and I'm going to even try to stop them. But you don't know why. You never know why. And you don't know what they're up against. It could be somebody, sure, they're acting out and doing something, but they had so much trauma in their background. You don't know how much progress they may have made. So we don't know. We're, not, we're not allowed to. We shouldn't. The rules of repentance say, this is about you and God. So, okay. We can breathe a sigh of relief for ourselves because we don't have to fix everyone and knowing everyone's not going to try to fix us. Because repentance can only happen if there's the joy of repentance in it. So if we remove that, there's only one problem with repentance left. Who would ever want to do that? Why would you ever want to take some time to start to make yourself miserable and condemn yourself and, and feel bad about yourself for your whole life? That's not what I'm here to do today. I, I'm, I believe, and I will die on this hill, that repentance is, is awesome, and it can be fun. And the proof of it comes from this lady here. Does anyone know who that is? No. Marie Kondo is her name. Does anyone remember that? I was like... I want to say four or five years ago, but it, with the way my sense of time is, it could have been 12 years ago. Marie Kondo was this phenomenon. She was all over the place. She wrote a bunch of books. I think she had shows. I don't even know how I know about her and her methods, but it just osmosed in because she was so in the culture. And what she did was she would come and help clean people up. Specifically, she would clean up their houses. She would teach them how to declutter their lives. And one of her, and she was in great demand. She was on all these talk shows and people would, would, would clamor to get her attention. And one of her methodologies which really stuck with me was 
Do you guys remember? She would fold up the shirts a different way than everyone else did. One of her methodologies, which really stuck with me, was she would have you go through your stuff and look at each thing and say, when I see that, does it spark joy? Does that spark joy? And if it doesn't, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you can get rid of it. Repentance is Marie Kondo. But, but God is the one asking us to take an inventory. Divine Marie Kondo. Because people before Marie Kondo comes in, they don't even really realize that you can get rid of stuff. They don't really realize how much better life can be without that. They're just sitting there in this mess of a house and feeling the effects of that and not really realizing why? Just today, uh, getting ready for this talk, I had so many amazingly unwanted thoughts come into my head. It's just like impressions of people and judgments of them and, and just worries and all this stuff that I don't want. And the joy of repentance is, oh, wait, we can get rid of that. There is a way that you don't have to deal with that. That's the joy we're looking for. No, Marie Kondo didn't force herself on anybody. Everyone's like, once they realize how good life can be after she comes in and cleans up your house, everyone's like, come over here. I want to be on your show. Let me in. And Marie Kondo could just walk right by and say, oh, I, I shouldn't tell the world about this. I shouldn't help them because I don't want to, you know, get people to notice the mess that they're in. And I don't want them to have to do the work of figuring out how to get rid of things. But she did it because she knows how happy they can be. God is not going to leave us alone on this because he understands what is between us and the yoke that is easy and the burden that is light. And repentance is the way that we get there. So after this song, we're going to look at just how important repentance is and what it does for us and the, the promise that it holds within it. Well, sometimes the sun shines on other people's houses and not mine. Sometimes the clouds paint the sky all gray and it takes away my summertime. Somehow the sun keeps shining upon you while I struggle to get by. And there's a light in everybody. Send out your Vegas sunshine. I want to walk the same roads as everybody else Through the trees and past the gates Getting high on heavenly breezes Making new friends along the way I won't ask much of nobody I'm just here to sing along And make my mistakes look gracious And learn some lessons from my wrongs But sometimes the sun shines on Other people's houses and not mine Sometimes the clouds paint the sky all gray And it takes away my summertime Somehow the sun keeps shining upon you While I struggle to get mine A little light never hurt nobody Send out your ray of sunshine Oh, if this little light of mine combined with yours today 
How many watts could we illuminate? How many villages could we save? Oh, my umbrella's tired of the weather wearing me down. Oh, look at me now. Well, you should look as good as your outlook. Would you mind if I take some time to soak up your light? Your beautiful life, you've got paradise inside I get hungry for love and thirsty for life And much too full of pain When I look to the sky to help me And sometimes it looks like rain As the sun shines on other people's houses and not mine And sometimes the clouds paint the sky all gray And it takes away my summertime but somehow the sun keeps shining upon you While I struggle to get mine Well, there's a light in everybody Send out your ray of sunshine A little light never hurt nobody Send out your ray of sunshine Thank you. That's what it's about sending out a ray of sunshine. You could picture it like we're a mirror that will reflect God. When I say God, God is love itself and wisdom itself, and we are made to be bringing that into the world. We talked about all those different lights together and what we could accomplish there. That's what's driving us to do repentance. It's just like, yeah, you are a really amazing, reflective, beautiful thing. You may have a smudge here or there. We all do. This is just like, let's get that off there so that we can shine. Remember, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is what it's like to live the life that God is asking us to live. He wouldn't just say it if it wasn't so. So, are we in church right now? I mean, is this, is this church? What, what, what makes it church? Is it, is it the building that we're in? I mean, this, this building is a theater. They do high school plays here sometimes. Does that, are those plays church as well? People are watching at home. Well, is it because what you're watching is streaming from a church? Is it because we talk about churchy things? What, what makes it a church or not? How do you determine whether anything is church? This place that we're in, the people who are gathered, the people who are watching, the kinds of things we discuss, none of that is church. Those are things that can support and help to try to create that. But as Jesus says... For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Church is a state of mind and a state of heart. That is the place where the actual church lives, is inside of you. The stuff we do out here can help be a catalyst for that, but the church isn't going to happen unless it happens inside each one of us. So the goal of life and of spiritual pursuit is to make the church happen. 
Still, that might not sound that great. Why, why would I want the church in me? I don't know what people's association with the word church is, but plenty of people might say, no thanks, I'd rather have, why, why would I ever want my own mind to become something where you have to get dressed up and pretend like you're something you're not? So this is from New Church Theology. What has been said of heaven may also be said of the church, because the church is the Lord's heaven on earth. Would you want heaven inside you? I think people, religious or not, we understand what that word means. We understand that this is talking about happiness and peace and love and truth and everything that you're looking for as a human being. So yeah, I would want heaven inside me. So that the way to get there, the way to find that happiness that we are all searching for through the actions of our life is through the creation of the church in you. And that's God's aim. You can't understand life and God unless you understand that the divine intent is for us to be happy. The existence of the universe is because it's meant to be a place in which we can find real happiness. And so the church is God's effort to implant that happiness in you. So why wouldn't you want to do that? Let's do that. Okay, let me just like... Is there a button I can push? How do I get that in there? Because you have this condition of, that you're aspiring to, which is heaven. You have this manifestation inside each one of us, which is the church. And if a bunch of us who have a church inside of us get together, then you could call that. You could call that a church in a larger sense, but all of it defined by our efforts to let that love and truth shine through us. How do you get there? And how important is it to get there? Well, Jesus Christ, who was God, and walking the path, setting out the path to get to the church, setting out the, the, the walk that we can go on to get to this state of happy life that he wants us to have and we want ourselves to have, he had just gotten done. There were these trials in the wilderness where you may remember those passages. He's being tempted. He gets brought up on a high mountain. The devil says, do these things. He says, no, I'm not going to do it. It's the first major combat of his life. And right after that, you can just feel in the text there's this energy shift. Like he has, he has reached some new level. And you know, the first thing out of his mouth after that is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You can read that a couple ways. I think people have historically kind of thought of it as, oh, watch out. The kingdom of heaven is coming. I better be good so that I don't get in trouble when it comes. But heaven is happiness itself, love itself. And Jesus is saying, hey, it's at hand. It's right there. All we got to do to get there is this work I'm asking you to do that's called Repentance. Actually, in True Christianity 510, it says, as we go through the early stages of our lives, there are many things that prepare us for the church. Oh, and my watch is like, hey, can I help you tell these people about the church and what that means and everything? Pretty soon, with AI, that'll happen. I'll just be able to get out here and press a button and it will like, wow, everyone, welcome. Start this quote over. As we go through the early stages of our lives, there are many things that prepare us for the church. 
and introduce us into it. But acts of repentance are the things that actually produce the church within us. What's the difference between being religious and being not religious, or being Christian or being not Christian, or being spiritual or not spiritual? It's not that you have the name of God in your mouth. It's not that you're talking about God. It's not that you're going to a religious service. It's not that you've got a fish sticker on your car. It is the acts of repentance, which remember, as we said in the beginning, acts of repentance are any and all actions that lead to us not willing and therefore not doing things that are harmful. So anytime when I feel this, oh, I'm so mad at it, but I don't act on that because I, I believe that's not good. Or anytime I have this impulse to do something and I think that's not what I want to bring into the world, that is, that is the church growing in us. Only when we've got some skin in the game where we actually said, there's something in myself that I'm going to lay down for the greater good. That is where the church begins. Everything else can serve that, and it's God's intent to bring us happiness and peace and everything that goes with it attached to that. And actually, that is the, the thing that makes room for those things. But that's where it begins. Because if I have in me, and I do, this sort of like egocentric or I'm irritable or I'm believing myself to be superior to other people, how is that going to coexist with love? How is that going to coexist with the desire to serve and the belief that the most important thing is all of our happiness and not just my happiness? It is as God is able to dislodge that through us in our own freedom, not because anyone's making you saying, hey, I want to not do this because it's not the right thing, that is where the church itself begins. Does that sound hard? It's not hard. It's actually not hard at all. And I have proof. I have photo proof. I took this picture. This is the, the title of a chapter in New Church Theology because I thought people weren't going to believe me. It says, the whole chapter is called, It is Not So Hard to Lead a Heaven-Bound Life as people think it is. And in there, it has this really great description of what's it feel like? What, what is the spiritual struggle itself? Is it difficult? It says in Heaven and Hell 533, we can now see that it is not so hard to lead the life of heaven as people think. Because it is simply a matter of recognizing when something attractive comes up that we know is dishonest or unfair, that this is not to be done because it is against the divine commandments. Okay. That doesn't, that was it. If we get used to thinking like this and from this familiarity form a habit, then we are gradually united to heaven. He even says elsewhere that you don't have to do this all the time. You don't have to do it every day. You've just got to do it Sometimes. Everything goes gradually. If I say I want to get in shape, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to the gym for 25 hours tomorrow, I'm going to be in the hospital. I would have broken my leg or something. That's not the way it works. I'm not going to go and say I'm going to lose 100 pounds tomorrow. Everything is gradual, and everything moves as it should. So the life that leads toward heaven is just 
making it a habit to start thinking in that way. And I want to say, it says that the divine commandments, don't do something because it's against the divine commandments. What that means is don't do something because we don't think it's good. The divine commandments are not arbitrary laws. They're not, this is what you've got to do or else you get in trouble. The divine commandments are the expression of love. It is not, it's not even really, ultimately, oh, I saw this written in the Bible, so I won't do it. It is that feeling of, no, I, I would not want somebody else to do that to me. That, that should not happen to that person. That is, it's just because it's not good. Because I believe I don't want that to be my impact on the world. That's what the heart of it is. Because when you're compelled to do it, when somebody tells you you have to, that's fine, but that's not actually doing good things for the same reason that God does them. God does good things because they're good. God does things because it's just the right thing to do. That's what, when you go to a movie and you see some character do something because it's the right thing to do, that's when we cheer. That's when we feel like, oh yeah. That is really good. And it's those acts which can only be driven by a, a love of doing it, and dare I say, by the joy and the idea of where we can get after that. That's the only way you actually have the church implants in you. So after this song, which I heard them rehearsing this song when I came in, and it just instantly put me in a good mood. I was like, yeah, that's, that's what we're about. So this is going to be great. And then when we come back, we're going to talk about just how much better the life the Lord is offering us is than <laughs> what we've got right now, or what we have without that path. Pretending that they're not alone 
a widow deep scarred somebody's broken heart and a washed out dream they follow the ladder of the wind you see cause you got no place to be that's why i'm starting with me i'm starting with the man in the mirror i'm asking him to change his and then make the change I'm starting with the man in the mirror I'm asking him to change his ways and no message could have been any clearer if you want to make the world a better place take a look at yourself and then make that I'm starting with the man in the mirror And then make the change Gotta get it right While you got the time Cause if you change your heart You gotta change your mind Na 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 Oh yeah It's gonna feel real good Yeah, 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 yeah Na 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 Oh no I'm gonna make a change Thank you. Hey everyone, this is your friendly reminder to make a donation to New Church Live. And it's super easy and there's a handful of ways. There's a QR code below, which will take you to the donate page, or you can text the word New Church Live, all one word, all lowercase to 77977, and you can make a donation that way. Or you can visit our website, www.newchurchlive.tv, and there's a donate tab there. Both places, you can set up a reoccurring donation or you can make a one-time donation, and all of your support helps fuel everything that happens here at New Church Live. We're so appreciative. Thank you all so much for making a donation. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Supporting New Church Live is really important. Thank you for everyone who did it. But come back to the energy of that song for a second. Was Marcus in this case, but anyone who sung that song, what was the feeling of that? Was that like, okay, I will do this thing? No, that, that was joy. Sure, it was, there was some strain in it and there was some work in it, but it was the joy of what can be done in the world. It was this joy about the difference that could be made and about the triumph of what is good. We want to change the world, yet we want everybody to be good. We want everything to work out. And the way to do that is to do this work in ourselves. I'm not saying that if you're into repentance, you don't care what everybody else is doing, but the most powerful way to change the rest of the world is to change yourself and to model that behavior. And in the end, it is, it is this labor of love. It is this expression of excitement about what can be. 
they're, they're, when you get to the really good repentance groove, and this is obviously something I'm still working on and it's difficult for me, but there's times when I'll discover something, like, oh, that's not very good that I want to do that. And I'm like, cha-ching, yes, I found something else that I can declutter myself. I can more and more define who I am by what, in some cases, I wouldn't do that. I don't want to be like that. There is a joy in that and there's a freedom and that is what God is trying to do. There's this scene um, in The Lord of the Rings. You guys seen those movies? I'm talking about the movies, I know. They were based on books. I've read the books, so I can talk about it. Where there's, there's a, I think I've mentioned this in New Church Live before. I only have like two or three movie references and this is one of them, but it's so good. So there's, this, there's a wizard, his name is Gandalf the Wizard. And he's, got, he's powerful, he's magical. And there's this other guy, his name is Bilbo, and he's short, little, magical creature called a hobbit. And he has this ring. The Lord of the Rings is about this ring. And that ring will consume you. It is something that takes you over and destroys your life. But when you have it, you don't know that. You think, this is great, I love having this thing. And you want it and you get possessive of it. So there's this scene where Gandalf is like starting to suspect, oh, this ring that you have, this might be this one ring with this power in it. And he starts to try to take it from Bilbo. And Bilbo, because he doesn't even realize that he's under the spell of this ring, he gets upset and he says, what are you, try what are you trying to do? And Gandalf, sensing the importance of this moment, Gets all, he gets big and gets powerful, and he says, Bilbo Baggins, I'm not trying to rob you. That's a pretty good impression. I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. Yes, there are things that we are clutching onto in our lives that God is wanting to take away from us. But he's not trying to rob us. He's trying to help us. Because he can see with crystal clarity what is between us and happiness? And if we can trust that urging, which all the instructions on how to get to happiness are in the word, this is why there are all these asks about how we modify our behavior. Sure, it's so we don't harm the person next to us. That's great. Also, it's so we don't harm ourselves. Because only through the removal of those things can life be good. Can the yoke be easy and the burden light? You might think, why would I ever want to have a yoke anyway? A yoke is a thing that you like, used to go on to oxen who would plow a field and it would keep them in line. Why do you need to have that anyway? Why not just stay here where we are right now with no yoke on us? You have a yoke. You're, you're always yoked. Right now, we're yoked to the misery of, of all the stuff we don't get rid of from repentance. I... Absolutely, I'll speak for myself. I've spent so much of my life being jerked around by things that I don't want, that I wish weren't in my mind in the first place. All of the worry that I have about everything, all of the like, jealousies I get about other people, all of the negative emotions that I have and the ways I wish I didn't see the world, and, and the even when things go well, this sort of clinging and like, well, now I'm better than other people and I hope I don't lose this. That yoke is not easy. That burden is not light. 
what God is, the life that God is calling us to is a much better life than that. It's described in New Church Theology like this, and I love this passage. He's talking about when, when God steps in to try to free us from all that negativity I was just describing that has us trapped. So when the Lord delivers us from their control and removes their yoke, the yoke we were wearing before, a battle begins. And when we have been delivered or reborn, the battle being a battle takes place inside of us, the Lord leads us so gently by means of angels, actually doing the work of repentance brings angels close to you, that it is anything but a yoke, anything but domination. Through pleasure and happiness, we are led and loved and esteemed. I'm not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. This is not a, this is not a test. This is not a trial of our mettle. Are we good enough? God's intent through and through is our happiness. I am trying to do good to you because I love you. So as I ask you to do things, and I will ask you to do things, because just like Marie Kondo knows how happy you're going to be when you don't have your clothes that you don't fit you anymore and you don't like in the first place sitting there clogging up your dresser. God knows what you could be, who you could be, what your life could be like if some of the things that are clogging up our heart and mind were removed. So let's try it. You want to try it really quick? Okay. I'm going to do an exercise where we can do a little repentance in this moment. You don't have to do it. You can just sit there. You can just sit there and pretend you're doing it or just, just, just observe. But I just take us easily through the steps of repentance that we can do any time to work on this journey. So first of all, you have to understand what repentance is. Repentance is, is, is an act of love on all sides. So it is God reaching into us with his love and trying to get us to lead a better life. It is us acting out of love for the neighbor. So we know when I'm looking at myself and I see what, what kind of impulses, what kind of tendencies, what kind of potential to do harm do I have? I want to get rid of that so that I don't do that to someone. I, I don't want to bring that into the world. So I can just look, I just think back. It's not, not too hard to find it, but think back over the past week and, and you can think first of a lot of things you did that you were happy you did, a lot of ways that you did. You feel like this is who I want to be and what I want to bring into the world and what I believe God is calling me to be. But then maybe we sift over and pick out, like, where, where was I not who I really want to be, who I really think the Lord is calling me to be? Where was I displaying something that I wish if somebody else had that tendency that they would not act on it. I wouldn't want everyone else to be like that. Where can I find something that I can remove from myself and so from the human race? What, what's a reaction that I had? What's, a th what's some negative thinking that I stayed on and indulged more than I needed to? When was any time when I caused harm that I, that I believe, not that somebody else is telling you, but that I believe I could have, I would rather not do next time. And once that's identified, it's just about identifying and asking God, who is the only one who can actually do good things. 
So it's, it's not a contest of like, well, I, I barely had any repentance to do. And this is everything is about the Lord coming in and working his will, because only the Lord has the actual love for the entire human race. Asking God to come in and help us next time, not to do perfectly with that, but to, to do better, to do a little bit better. And keeping in mind the goal, which is, oh yeah, I'm gonna, I wanna be a channel for your love and light. I wanna be led into heaven. I want the church built in me and I wanna do it with the view of the entire human race becoming more and more happy and more and more blessed. And then once we've got that thing, it's just about a conviction of next time I'm gonna try. Next time I'm gonna try. That's what matters. The results don't matter that much. It's the intent. So that's the whole thing. And doing that, not every waking second, but just once in a while, that's great. That, that is, that's like Christmas for God. So with that in mind, let's take a moment to look inward I'm going to say the Lord's Prayer. You can say it with me, or you can just sit and listen. And within this, there, there is this ask as well to be walking this path. You can see it in there. So it begins, Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A couple times in there, I resisted the urge to stop and say, see, look, this is talking about that. Because I felt like that's going to ruin the mood. But let me go back now and say, Every part of this is about this process we've been talking about. We say, hallowed be thy name. The name of God means the quality of God, which is love for everyone. So to say hallowed be that, it means that is what I venerate. Like that, that is what I would want to shape my life toward. Could we all have it so that that is what's loved and respected and esteemed in, in each of us and in society? As in heaven, so upon the earth, that's, that's the church. Can we take what exists in God in heaven and bring it into each of our hearts and so bring heaven into the earth? The daily bread is the goodness we're asking for. The forgiving of the debts, that is repentance. That is asking, look, can you not forgive like, okay, do you still love me anymore? Forgive meaning, let's, can you move me past this? Because God already forgives everything instantly. God is love itself but can we make the amends move past that? Forever and ever, lead us out of temptation. Lead us away from this unhappy life that we, that we are in without the Lord's love leading us. And let's use the Lord's prompting to lead the whole world into the life that, that we want to have it have. Thanks everybody for sitting and having church with me where we're all in our individual state of church thinking about the Lord and thinking about what is good and gathering together around it now go take that light out and, and shine it into the world and try to keep within you and spread the good news about the joy of cleaning ourselves up
Think of your fellow man, hand him a helping hand, put a little love in your heart. You see it's getting late, oh please don't hesitate, put a little love in your heart. And the world will be a better place, and the world will be a better place for you and me. You just wait and see. Another day goes by, and still the children cry. Put a little love in your heart. You want the world to know we won't let the hatred grow. Put a little love in your heart And the world will be a better place And the world will be a better place For you and me You just wait and see Have a great week.